Harlan Ellison was adamant that the great evils of this country are forged in television. And this was 50 years ago. Today, that tiny window is 80 inches wide and dominates American homes. And that tiny focused image is now high-definition graphics with stereo sound, magazine models reading teleprompters, and we're buried in highly crafted propaganda telling us to stifle thought. What to do? <laughs> Dig out the truth. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And to start shoveling. Here's Dan Newman. Oh, my goodness. We got to deal with all that today and every day. Come on, Pete, it's Monday. You need to give us kind of a a light phase in for the serious stuff. You know, it's Monday. We want to wait till later in the week to really get down and dirty. Well, guess what? We can't do that, folks. We've got to be in full speed ahead mode every day, especially as we look at now just months away from another presidential election. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Thank you for joining us every day that you do at TNN Live. And remember this, if you can't catch the show live, you can always go back at the end of the show, minutes after we complete each show live, 9 to 11. That's, of course, Central Time, 9 to 11 a.m., Monday through Friday, we're live here with you, just like now. But when that hour is over, about 10 or 15 minutes later, that show, that day show, is turned into a podcast, and it's distributed across about 37 different podcast hosting entities, places like Spotify and Stitch In and Apple Podcast and on and on, and even Google. Can you believe Google carries a conservative a politically conservative podcast? Well, they do so far, and you can also go find this show every day on Facebook. Wow, you can get it anywhere. And I know a two-hour-a-day commitment is really tough for everybody. It is for me, and I'm in the biz. So what I suggest you do is when that show comes out in podcast format, just download it on whatever is your favorite podcast. If you've got an iPhone, it comes preloaded. It's that pink little Apple app that says Apple Podcast. And just set it up so that it downloads every show. And then you can, different kind of times during the day, the next day, you can listen to a little bit at a time. And it's a good way to make sure you don't miss much of anything. Well, where are we headed today? We got to start with... A discussion, and I'm trying to be nice the way I phrase this, but a discussion about the person in the Biden administration that right after the president himself, in my opinion, is the most feckless, um, hardcore, uh, enlightened member of the Biden administration. Cabinet, and I'm not talking about Alejandro Mayorkas. He's he's a close second to this member. I'm talking about Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Austin, and he is in deep trouble. Also, yours truly wrote a massive report over the weekend that was published this morning at 1:45 a.m. your time. It's on the front page of TruthNewsNet.org. And it is a zinger. No holes barred. 
we're going after Joe Biden. We'll get into that and much more right after the Eagles here. It's not the first time that I had the sense that something's wrong. But I'm old enough to know that things don't always work out like they should. I know you're trying.
Beatles, my goodness, they can spin some great songs. They write them themselves. I guess maybe that's why they're so good, because they're not recycling other people's hits. Anyway, how was your weekend? Did you get to relax any? You know, you got through Christmas, you got through New Year's, and we're back at it, and you've been back at it for about five days before this weekend passed. You should be all rested up. But if not, just get your second wind and share it with us, and we'll fill you with some information. There are a lot of things that are bubbling right under the surface. I mean, really big, nasty, important things regarding our government, those within our government. And I promise you, during this week, there will be an explosion or two at the federal government level. We're on top of each and every one of them. And so stay close to us. I'm going to be writing stories and publishing stories this week, like the one I told you about right before the Eagles. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. But I want to touch on, before we go there, to probably the biggest government story that's in the air right now. No, it's not southern border stuff. No, it's not Bidenomics. It's about one member, one very important member of the cabinet of President Joe Biden. I'm talking about Defense Secretary General Lloyd Austin. So yesterday, Washington and pretty much the whole country remained in collective shock More and more information trickled out about Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin being admitted to the hospital's intensive care unit for days and did not disclose it. He did not disclose he was going into the hospital. No details about it. They didn't know about it. The White House, he didn't tell the president. He didn't tell the National Security Advisor. He did not even tell his number two. In other words, when the defense secretary is out of pocket for any reason or reasons, the military's got to keep running, you know? He didn't even tell her. And, of course, the public didn't know anything about it. So there is concern and worry about the health condition of Defense Secretary Austin. We still, to this day, even though the information about him going to the hospital for some elective surgery on December 23rd. Nobody knew he was going in for that. And he put out that he was working from home, which is a lie because he went home and he got very sick and they had to rush him back to Walter Reed Medical Center and he went straight into intensive care. Now, that was last week that that happened. The procedure was done two days before Christmas. That's a lot of time in there. I can't imagine how we would not know, how his own people would not know over that period of time that Austin was out of pocket, and that would lead to questions being asked and, of course, being answered. But here we are. We didn't know anything about this until over this weekend. So we're going to get into some of the details. But before we do, this morning, very early this morning, we actually got what I would consider to be a real story about the real stuff as best as we can get real stuff right now 
about our defense secretary. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin remains in the hospital this morning, and we're now learning the Pentagon failed to immediately notify top officials about his hospitalization. A defense official telling Politico, quote, someone, someone's head has to roll, not telling the White House, Congress, or the media he is sick, and then telling Pentagon staff he's working from home is next level. This is a problem. Someone made the decision not to disclose that person will likely be gone shortly. Joe Conscious, a Fox News contributor and columnist for The Messenger. He joins us as always. Joe, I, I agree that there yeah. is a D.C. intrigue as to who did this and why they did this. But I think this goes to a much larger question. Who's running our government right now? Doesn't Joe Biden, regardless of whether he's on vacation or on a campaign trail or in the Oval Office, have constant communications daily, many times a day with the Secretary of Defense? This isn't right. One would think that the president is in contact with his secretary of defense, Todd, to your, to your question. But right now, Joe Biden, as we speak, is in Delaware again this morning, where he is most of his presidency, it feels like, right? Something like 138 days this president has spent on vacation last year in 2023. Here's what I know. Secretary Austin needs to resign immediately. This is beyond unacceptable because you know our enemies like China and Iran are watching this and seeing this non-disclosure for what it is, a dereliction of duty that once again shows this administration is not a serious one at a perilous time in world history, given the state of affairs right now, as we're seeing in the Middle East, as we're seeing in Ukraine, as we're seeing with China and its aggression towards Taiwan and so on. Even the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, said he was not aware just yesterday that Austin was in the hospital for more than a week and continues to be there to this day. And again, the president, we don't hear from him because he's relaxing right now. And remember, this is the same administration, Todd, where Pete Buttigieg, as Transportation Secretary, took off for more than two months for parental leave during the height of a supply chain crisis and didn't inform anyone. We were told the adults were going to be back in the room when Team Biden took over. This is child's play with no parents in sight. Somebody's head has to roll indeed. And we should be hearing from the president today about this. But we won't, of course, because this is the most protected president of all time. And I'm sure the press secretary is going to have some word salad explanation around all of this during the press briefing. But it is, again, unacceptable, Todd. You nailed it. You nailed the words right out of my mouth on the adults in the room. This is starting to feel like Ferris Bueller's day off, but where the consequences yeah. are a lot more than Cameron's dad's car. This is our nation we're talking about. Our nation. And it was it was almost like the Secretary of Defense, he just assumed everything would be smooth in the Middle East and over in Southeast Asia and even in North Korea. It's untenable that this could possibly happen. So the disclosure of all of this, it raises a bunch of serious questions, not just for the Secretary of Defense and his judgment, but also for President Biden, how he could have been unaware that his defense secretary was at least partially incapacitated for several days and is still in the hospital a week later, especially as military confrontation between our troops and Iran-backed proxy groups is heating up like never before in the Middle East, threatening 
a bigger crisis, maybe even a war in the Middle East that includes us. Imagine how that would play out if our defense secretary was gone, his number two person didn't even know he was going to get, be gone and certainly isn't as educated to everything in the military as our defense secretary is. What could have happened? The U.S. had just last Thursday warned the Houthis to stop targeting U.S. military and commercial ships in the Red Sea. And on that same day, our military conducted a drone strike, and that strike killed an Iran-backed militia leader in Iraq, raising questions now as to who ordered that strike. Did you get me, time-wise? It wasn't Lloyd Austin. He's in the hospital. So adding to the fiasco has been the Pentagon refusing to say why he was admitted to the hospital, citing a desire for privacy. Now, I come from a medical background. I know what HIPAA is. Nobody can tell anybody about a person's health issues, treatments, etc., unless there is a signed waiver that allows that to happen. And, of course, (laughs) there's no way Austin would sign something like that because he doesn't want anybody to know what's going on. So Austin, over the weekend, on Saturday himself, issued a statement saying he understood the media concerns about transparency, and he conceded he could have done a, quote, better job ensuring the public was appropriately informed. Forget about the public, Mr. Secretary, What about the generals? What about the people that run the Navy, the Army, the Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard? Those people that are keeping us safe while you're on your butt quietly, not telling anybody what's going on, and you're in the hospital. So he finished his statement to us. No explanation, just a statement. I commit to doing better, he said. And he added this, but this is important to say, this was my medical procedure and I take full responsibility for my decisions about disclosure. Now, you just heard the whole statement front to back. It didn't explain why he had not told President Biden, why he hadn't told National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, why he hadn't told the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. Nobody in our government knew that he was gone, certainly not why he was gone. And a continuous drip of these revelations came out over the weekend, each one of them worse than the one before on Saturday. CNN reported that Austin hadn't even told his own deputy, who is Deputy Defense Secretary Kathleen Hicks, that he was hospitalized. Now, he was hospitalized December 3rd. He didn't even tell her until last Thursday, January 4th. Ten days with nobody in our government knowing he's sick and he's incapacitated. That information came to light after NBC reported that Hicks was on vacation at the time in Puerto Rico when she got the phone call, which had raised questions over what duties he had transferred to her, what she knew, and why she didn't return to D.C. immediately. CNN reported that 
Hicks opted to stay in Puerto Rico even after being informed of his hospitalization and after Austin reassumed full responsibilities on Friday. Some people in the Department of Defense were reportedly told by Austin's aides that he was working from home. So this lack of transparency, it is raising uproar from Democrats, from Republicans, independents, and honestly, you need to understand what I'm about to tell you in the context of what Austin did over the last couple of weeks. First of all, he's not a newbie to this. He's not new to getting in trouble regarding his governing his department. Now, let me give you an example. When I say he's not a newbie, in his previous post in the military, he was the director of CENTCOM. What is CENTCOM? That's the central part of Europe and North Africa. All of that space in those particular areas. I mean, we're talking about Europe, Northern Africa, some of the Middle East. He was the director, the head of CENTCOM. Now, he didn't do much of a good job when he was the head of CENTCOM, and it all came to a head when I say all, him and his abilities and his leadership at the Central Command. He was there when Benghazi happened. He was actually the individual that stopped SEAL Team 6 members who were in the air, flying around in circles over Benghazi, waiting for the okay from the director of CENTCOM to land in Benghazi and go rescue those four Americans that got killed in dramatic fashion. I started to say some of the other ways, but I'm not going to do that. He made that call on his own. He didn't talk to anybody above him. He just did it. And then he wasn't through there in cahoots with former senator, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, and former President Barack Obama. They're the ones that made the determination to fund that group of Syrian rebels that were going after president of Syria because he gassed his own citizens and killed them. Obama and Joe, they got up and made empty threats to Basar Assad if he kept doing it. In fact, pretty much like your daddy said when you were on a trip and you were in the back seat fighting with your brother or sister and dad couldn't get you to be quiet and dad would start saying this, don't make me come back there. That's what Obama and Biden did regarding those Syrian rebels. They, on their own, were ready to go after and get rid of Basra Assad. They just needed a little seed money and some weapons. So Hillary is the one that put the deal together. We gave them all kinds of weapons. We gave them millions of dollars. Basra Assad continued to gas his people. Nothing happened. And then we find out later who those Syrian rebels were. Hillary, Secretary Lord Austin, who was then head of CENTCOM, Joe Biden, Vice President. Oh, by the way, Antony Blinken was in the picture working for Hillary Clinton. She was part of this. And Barack Obama, they funded the establishment of ISIS, 
That's who these people were. They just hadn't put their name in play, ISIS at the time. Several questions remain unanswered, including what the medical procedure and resulting complications were. We'll never know about that because of the HIPAA law. Also, what the Secretary's current health status is, how and when the delegation of the Secretary's responsibilities were made, and the reason for the delay in notification to the President and to Congress. Transparency, especially in our military, is vitally important. Secretary Austin must provide these additional details on his health and the decision-making process that occurred in the past week as soon as possible. Several senators charged with oversight of the Pentagon called Austin's dereliction shocking. We're learning more every hour about the DOD's shocking defiance of the law. Top military on the Senate Armed Services Committee Senator Roger Rick Wicker of Mississippi said in a Saturday statement, called for a briefing from the Pentagon immediately. And as far as I know, we hadn't gotten that yet. And it's almost midday in Washington. Senators, more questions over who was in charge of giving U.S. military orders while Austin was in the bed in the hospital. When one of the country's two national command authorities is unable to perform their duties, their military families, members of Congress, and the American public deserve to know the full extent of their circumstances. This is Senator Wicker. Members must be briefed on a full accounting of the facts immediately. And then Senator Tom Cotton. I like him a lot. He's a Republican from Arkansas. He sits on the Senate Armed Services Committee. He noted that Austin is the key link in the nuclear chain of command. Now, all of this happened when you have Kim Jong-un in North Korea over there. He's threatening every day to start firing nukes. And our guy in our military that leads everything on nukes is in intensive care at the time. I just can't believe this kind of stuff happened. I can't. We're not going to get any clear answers as to what's going on and why. That's the Biden way. You heard that, didn't you? That's the Biden way. And Joe Biden, I don't need to tell you this, but Joe Biden has many, many, many issues in his life, personally, and of course the ones that pertain directly to you and I, are in his presidency, his administration, top to bottom. And you might know, I'm sure you do, that he formally came out on Friday and he gave his first real campaign address. He didn't come right out and say, you know, I'm doing this to make a formal announcement that I'm running for a second term. Everybody already knew that, and he had said that over and over again. But he kind of marked a line in the sand. That's a common phrase that we hear coming out of Democrats' Now in this administration, and of course in the Obama administration, and so last night, actually yesterday, early yesterday, I started a story. And um, the more I wrote, the uglier it got, the angrier I got. And I want to share it with you. So get ready. 
the fryer was turned up high. That's all I can say. We got that next. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, he has Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Just a word about tomorrow, Steve Baker, our own investigative journalist, will be with us in our second hour. He and I both had hoped he was going to be in studio live with us, but uh, things have heated up on his side of all of the J6 stuff. Big revelation, big stories coming out. One is out this morning at the Daily Caller, and it is a blockbuster. It appears, folks that the January 6th evidence that many of us had possession of, knew about it, had been talking about it for several years. Steve Baker's been on this show dozens of times, and he's been giving us factual evidence that was trying to be buried and hidden by folks in the Biden administration. And so Steve's going to discuss the latest stuff going on with that investigation on his part and also the Blaze Network. So he'll be with us at exactly 10 a.m. Central Time tomorrow. Make a note. Make sure you don't miss it. So over the weekend, it was sit down and really get planning. Typically, when I look at a new year, I don't, you know, on the day after New Year's, just go sit down and plan everything for the whole year. I'm not one of those people. 
but I do sit down and take some time to think through and what big things we need to plan on and prepare, begin preparations for even later up into the year. So I was doing that very thing Saturday, sitting in the studio. I was planning this week, and my objective was to schedule a couple of guests for this week's show and finish the story to publish at truthnewsnet.org during the coming week. Now, remember, this is Saturday. Joe Biden gave his big speech, campaign opening speech, the night before. I refused to listen to it live. And there are a multitude of reasons. I won't even go into them. But I didn't do it. So, Saturday morning, I downloaded the transcript of his speech. I read it. I reread it. And I reread it again. All three times, I desperately struggled to find a nugget from his speech that would comfort me and any, hopefully all, of you and our fellow Americans. There was no comfort. Actually, there was no leadership, no assurance of a positive path forward, no hope for a return to the rule of law, which, by the way, he has totally abandoned, and he did it He abandoned it, the rule of law, on his inauguration day back in 2021. As I sat there thinking about it, I was reminded of a line from a sermon that was preached by the pastor of New Mexico's largest church and my good friend Steve Smotherman. In fact, he was on this show, Steve Smotherman, talking with us live a couple of months ago about the debacle the governor of New Mexico was pulling there and how illegal it was and how many Many people in the state of New Mexico were after her for doing it. The sermon that he had preached, and let me tell you, I know exactly when it was. I was in New Mexico. I had flown into the northern part of New Mexico, south of Albuquerque, up in the the hills, to attend a men's conference called Men of Iron. When I got to the center and checked in at the hotel there, we got a notice that the New Mexico governor had shut down every public gathering, and this was because that was the first day of COVID and the eventual complete lockdowns of the United States. So we didn't have anything, a session that day at that conference center, and so we went to a church, a mutual friend of ours, pastors in another town outside of where this particular conference center is, and that night had the first session of Men of Iron. Steve Smotherman was the guest speaker that night, and in his sermon, he said some things and asked some questions that have just to this day, every day, they cross my mind. His sermon was epic. In it, he attacked the desperation so many of us feel every day from this administration's total lack of leadership. He answered the question many of us are asking today. Can we, can we the citizens, stop this train wreck in Washington that has us heading for the mother of all Armageddons? Can we do it? And he answered that question in his sermon with five words 
Five words that were burned into my brain. I'll always have them there. His answer applies not only to political conundrums and issues like we're seeing every day, but also to every other one that you and I face on a personal level. And I'll never forget those five words. Nothing changes if nothing changes. So let's just skip over to President Biden. He revealed in this speech that he gave Friday night, his first one, talking to all Americans about what his plans are for another four years, right? In other words, he's committed to the continuation of the horrors his policies have already wrought on our nation. Things like war, lawlessness, never seen before in the U.S., the weaponization by his Department of Justice against the constitutional rights of every one of us, government spending that destroyed every sector of our economy, our social order, and did away with any confidence that was left that Americans are better off today than we were in 2020. He sown fear, anger, hatred, division, racism, all the while he's blamed Every problem in the United States today on former President Donald Trump, but not just Trump, all of us, the 70 plus million Americans who voted for Trump, you know, we mega, maga extremists. Joe Biden despises anyone who refuses to accept truth. <laughs> What's his definition of truth? Whatever Biden calls truth. He, according to himself, is the arbiter of the truth. His presidential philosophy is not in his speeches, but is in his actions. Remember this? He told us when he was campaigning the first time. I don't want to be the president of Democrats or the president of Republicans I want to be the president of every American. I want to be the great uniter. How can any leader unite followers without first earning the trust and belief of those he hopes to lead? And when you don't see anything that shows he's a leader and he wants to lead us out of whatever conundrums we're in, how can he expect us to trust him? Example, speaking about the riot of January 6th, giving his first 2024 campaign speech, Biden gave not a shred of hope for him to be a true leader going forward. He confirmed that a Biden presidency part two will be nothing different from part one. The weaponization of the Department of Justice he used against any and all of his political foes no matter which political party banner they carry. His handlers, and we know he's not the guy putting all his policies together. He's got people behind the scenes doing. We call them handlers. They've schooled Joe. They've got him to understand he can't ask voters to choose him again based on any of the stuff that he's done. Why? He has done nothing for the American people. Nothing. His only hope, and this is what his handlers have told him, and Barack Obama even admitted he had advised Biden. 
Here's what you got to do, Joe. Demean Donald Trump, who, by the way, happens to be his number one political foe. Biden is so afraid of Trump possibly bringing back the Trump-anomic policies if he gets elected in 2025. Trump's already told us over and over again. He did it once. He's going to do it again. That horrifies Joe Biden. Those policies dramatically lowered taxes for all of us, reduced inflation to a level not seen in decades, decreased unemployment dramatically while adding millions of new jobs, new jobs, not the rehash jobs that people lost from layoffs during COVID. Trump saw more women employed than ever, especially African-American women. Democrats frantically warned that Trump dare not lower taxes on Americans. Why? Because the government wouldn't have enough money to pay our bills. But guess what? Trump's tax cuts poured more money into the U.S. Treasury through our taxes, more money than had ever come into the U.S. Treasury in our history. A natural leader, like a Trump, a Reagan, or Kennedy leader, any one of them would have pointed to their achievements for the people during their first term and confirmed the details of plans for a second term that would dwarf the accomplishments of Americans in his first term. What did Joe do? Instead, he told the world his only plan for four more years, rid the U.S. of Donald Trump and the evil mega MAGA extremist. Now, let me let me just tell you, I downloaded the entire speech verbatim, and you're going to be able to go to the front page of the website to this story, and it's available for you to click on and download at the bottom of the page. When I said verbatim, <laughs> Joe's speech is full of Joe-isms. I don't need to explain more. But I picked out a few pieces I want to give to you, and I'm going to leave in the Bidenisms. When you hear them, you'll know what I'm talking about. So at the top of the top of the speech, after the hello, how you doing kind of stuff, here's what Joe Biden told us about what he's going to do in 2025 when he's reelected. Trump's mob wasn't a peaceful protest. Of course, he's talking about January 6th. Joe said it was a violent assault. They were insurrectionists, not patriots. They weren't there to uphold the Constitution. They were there to destroy the Constitution. Trump won't do what an American president must do. He refuses to denounce political violence. So hear me clearly, he said. I'll say what Donald Trump won't. Political violence is never, ever acceptable in the United States political system. Never, never, never. It has no place in a democracy. None. You can't be pro-insurrectionist and pro-American. You know, Trump and his MAGA supporters not only embrace political violence, but they laugh about it. Now, this is the president speaking. At his rally, he jokes about it, an intruder, 
whipped by the big Trump lie, taking a hammer to Paul Pelosi's skull and echoing the very same words used on January 6th. Where's Nancy? And he thinks that's funny. He laughed about it. What a sick, my God. If you feel today that your life during the four years of the Trump presidency created a better life for you than Biden in three years, you're stupid. I kept waiting for the promises of a better tomorrow. That would surely make us all confident that a second term for Biden would make this better and how. That never came in the speech. Instead, he stayed on the hate Trump diatribe. So let's go back to a little of it. Uh, let's see. Trump's assault on democracy isn't just part of his past. It's what he's promising for the future. He's been straightforward. He's not hiding the ball. His first rally for the 2024 campaign opened with a choir of January 6th insurrectionists singing from prison on a cell phone while images of the January 6th riot played on the big screen behind him at his rally. Can you believe that? This is like something out of a fairy tale, a bad fairy tale. He continued, Trump began his 2024 campaign by glorifying the failed violent insurrectionist insurrection at our, on our capital. Those are his words exactly. The guy who claims law and order sows lawlessness and disorder. Trump's not concerned about your future, I promise you. Trump is now promising a full-scale campaign of revenge and retribution, his words, for some years to come. They were his words, not mine. He went on to say he'd be a dictator on day one. I mean, if I were writing a book of fiction and I said an American president said that and not in jest, he called, and I quote, the terminate quote. This is a quote. <laughs> I'm quoting him. <laughs> this is a quote. The termination of all the rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the U.S. Constitution, should be terminated if it fits his will. It's really kind of hard to believe. Well, I couldn't even understand it, Joe, let alone believe it. And he continued. Even found in the Constitution, he could terminate. He's threatened the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff with the death penalty. He says he should be put to death because the chairman put his oath to the Constitution ahead of his personal loyalty to Trump. This coming from a president who called, when he visited his cemetery, called dead soldiers suckers and losers. Remember that? Sometimes I really, I'm really happy the Irish in me can't be seen. It was right around the time was at Bo's grave, Tommy. How dare he? Who in God's name does he think he is? That's the president of the United States, strongest man politically on the planet. And there's much more to the speech. As I said, it's at the bottom of this story in a PDF format. You can go there and it's hyperlink. You can click on it and either read it there or you can download it, whatever you want to do. Let's finish up here. The Friday, and, and it gets good. <laughs> it gets really good. 
The Friday speech from President Biden was full of vitriol. This is me talking now. Hatred, anger in his words to the American people. Besides telling the listeners what Donald Trump and Mega Maga Americans had done on January 6th, he never spoke of his outstanding accomplishments for the nation in his first three years. Worse than that, though, he gave not a word of comfort for all the listeners that tuned in. He never apologized. Not for anything, not for his outrageous decisions that cost the nation trillions of dollars. He didn't say a word about his recent gift to the world's number one purveyor of terror, Iran. That $6 billion gave Iran what it needed to fund Hamas, Hezbollah, and numerous other jihadist organizations that are now attacking our troops in Syria and Iraq. Don't forget, Hamas and Hezbollah have slaughtered thousands of innocent Jews and are persistent in their cries to exterminate every Jew from the planet. And they have a good start on that. And they're using our tax dollars to do it. What about our broken economy? He didn't mention it. He spent over a trillion dollars on his various great ideas to fix the world. His infrastructure bill, it pours billions, not millions, billions into the pockets of his supporters and their companies that before Biden became president were losing billions in their green energy projects. On Sunday of this week, we learned that those miraculous employment numbers that he brags about daily, listen to this. This is brand new this morning. We found out all his numbers coming from his labor department since the beginning of his campaign were artificially inflated every month. Now, most Americans knew that most of the jobs contained in those weekly and monthly reports were those of people who had lost jobs during COVID and were just going back to work. Those weren't new jobs, but recycled jobs. So here's the new information. This will make you nauseated. The, the inflated jobs numbers, the ones that his administration reported, confirmed that half a million of them were fake They never existed, and they did so purposely at the orders of the White House. That number is in addition to the recycled jobs, by the way. It wasn't a mistake. They inflated the numbers. In other words, once again, we were lied to. The Biden administration has been one debacle after another. All the so-called progress he's created for us is nothing more than the yarn about the new jobs. Here's just a little bit of what Americans that I talk to not only want from his speech, but they expected to hear it from Joe on Friday night. Like, when will he admit his mistake in his all-in destruction of the fossil fuel industry that has destroyed our economy? When's he going to do something about it and right the ship? And if he's not going to do that, How's he going to fix the issues in his replacement energy sources so that they'll meet our nation's energy needs and do so economically? He won't tell us that because he can't tell us that. No one can. His speech didn't tell us how he plans to stop the weaponization 
of the DOJ against Americans in multiple different ways about numerous things. We all know his doing so was undoubtedly at the request of the globalists who need that to happen to take ownership of the American population with force if it's needed. Why hadn't he still told the FBI to release all the details of their instigation of the thousands of illegal attacks and resulting prosecutions of the so-called insurrectionists in January 6th? Remember, Biden allowed the DOJ to arrest 2,000-plus Americans whose crime that day was being in D.C. and going into the Capitol. Yeah, I know they were not supposed to be in the Capitol, but we've published, Steve Baker has, multiple stories that show Capitol Police members taking kindly those barriers away, putting them out on the grass, and waving people that were there that day to go on up into and inside the Capitol. Forget about that. They've tried to bury that video. I've got it. Steve Baker's got it. And they have it. There were wrongdoers and lawbreakers among the crowd that day, no doubt. But where does this government obtain authority to suspend U.S. law and keep more than a 1,000 of those folks in jail with no bail, no trial, and did so in many cases for two years? Anti-constitutional, period. Our very own investigative journalist, Steve Baker, has released massive evidence that all of this is true. Oh, uh, another one. How's your grocery budget going? Biden certainly should have advised us all what his timeline is to eliminate inflation, not just the slight reduction of the inflation he initiated that has occurred. Millions of others and I expected a plan, a plan to eliminate the Biden administration's massive criminality nationwide. Families are not safe. I heard nothing. There was nothing about the fix for the war at our southern border, nor any plans to stem the flow of the millions of illegals who walked, swam to get here. Every person who came without documentation to be here is here illegally. Xi Jinping, Vladimir Putin, Kim Jong-un, and the Iranian mullahs despised Joe Biden instead of bloviating as he does about his standing among foreign leaders who respect him, why doesn't he assure us, the American people, with some facts that show the steps he's taken in dealing with each of these tyrants? And one last thing. Every American wants to know his financial stake and all those millions coming from foreign countries into the Biden family syndicate's various accounts He continually denies any of those dollars came to him. He never met with any of Hunter's business associates. He's never spoken to Hunter or James about any of their overseas businesses, all of those proven lies. Let's give him an easy way to make it all go away, just to resolve it. It's real simple. Mr. President, if you're innocent of any or all or any and all of those illegal and impeachable offenses— 
just voluntarily. Turn over all your personal and business account information, statements, and all the details that would quickly answer those questions, and we'd apologize for it and just move on. If he's not guilty of any of that, he would have run to allay the concerns that many, most of the American people are confident he's corrupt. Now, it would be easy to write an additional 2,000 words asking and answering these and other questions of Joe. We know he'll never answer any questions from us truthfully, if at all. So here's a easy, smooth ending to this saga today, and a simple one. Joe Biden is not obligated in any way to answer any of these questions, tell us what his plans are for a second term as president, or explain any of the issues he's put our nation in that have cost multiple trillions of dollars with the destruction of the lives of millions of us. He doesn't have to. I don't think he feels any obligation to do any of that. He told us during his lengthy speech Friday what a great job he does, gave us no examples. Thinking Americans don't intimately know the horrors we're experiencing are a direct result of his actions and his inactions. But something worse is now confirmed to be the foundation of this Biden administration and a second one if he's elected. He had no inclination to do anything more than he has in three years for the American people. He thinks he has no such obligation. Basically, he's saying to every one of us, sit down and shut up. Why? Because I'm Joe Biden. Americans saw Friday and heard what is really driving our president and his administration. He's not a fan or a supporter of democracy. He never has been. He doesn't know or care about that, but he knows he must tell Americans he's all in for democracy. Friday's speech opened the eyes of millions of our fellow Americans, and those millions now recognize that his loathing of Donald Trump and mega MAGA conservatives is because of his hatred of democracy. Now, what could this all mean? This is where you need to really grab a hold of right now, folks. What does it mean? Joe Biden is an autocrat, and he wants to go down in history as the person who flipped the United States of America to an autocracy. America will no longer be called a nation with the government of the people, by the people, and for the people if Joe Biden is reelected. He's going to finish the job that Barack Obama began. And Hillary was supposed to pick it up for at least four years from Barack and push it forward. There's no plausible explanation for the three-year actions of this president other than his making autocracy his and our utopia. And he thinks it will all transition with no pushback 
at all. Remember Steve Smotherman's famous sermon line, nothing changes if nothing changes. Joe Biden hadn't changed. He's not going to change. Period. If you ever wondered what I'm feeling about anything in our federal government, you have to wonder no more. And we're on to other stuff, important stuff next. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Mm. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle. out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. I forgot something. I didn't give you the title of that story I wrote that we published this morning. <laughs> I think you'll like it. Here it is. Our dictator-in-chief is officially campaigning. Let the lies get louder. I started to put let the lies begin. <laughs> but they've never quit. <laughs> they've always been there in the Biden administration. Oh, well, it just so happens just a few minutes ago, we got another poll out, and it's kind of fitting in the aftermath of his speech on Friday night. A record low percentage of our fellow Americans are satisfied with the way democracy is working under Joe Biden. This is a Gallup poll. Only 28% of adults living in the United States. By the way, we're not a democracy. We were never established to be a democracy. We are a constitutional representative republic. 
Anyway, only 28% of adults living in the U.S. are satisfied with the state of democracy within our constitutional republic. That's down from 35% when Gallup polled on the issue the day after January 6, 2021. Gallup said, this is Jeffrey Jones at Gallup, the more recent declines of the past two years to varying degrees for different partisan groups may reflect economic unease amid higher prices, disapproval of the jobs President Joe Biden, Congress, and the Supreme Court are doing, increasing hostility between the political parties, former President Trump's persistent political strength, and concerns about election security, voting rights, and the independence of the courts and the judicial system. Yeah, I would say you're right on there, Jeff. That's all the big pot of horror that we're having shoved in our faces and saying, you got to eat this, period. Really no surprise that in this poll, Republicans are at least likely to say they are satisfied. 17%. Things are just going really, really bad. And this week it's going to get even tougher. Listen to this. The House of Representatives is reconvening right now. And this week, what's going on includes some high-profile figures that are in the hot seat as Hunter, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas have all been scheduled for scrutiny. It's all going to kick off tomorrow. The second session of the 118th Congress is beginning this presidential election year with a bang as key figures representing the failure of this president's administration come under the microscope. Even before gaveling in, the House Select Committee on the Coronavirus Pandemic was scheduled to meet with the leading proponent of the science for two days behind closed doors. That's Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci. I wonder why they're doing it behind closed doors. What happens in those meeting rooms? They're going to come out. Don't you think with all the crap that Fauci put the American people through, you know, you and I, our kids, their education, our businesses, people getting fired, laid off, money disappearing, people becoming homeless. Don't you think we should listen in on what he's going to respond with? Because you know what the purpose of this get-together love fest with him is to find out why he lied about so many things. I would pay. I would pay big money. Well, at least big money for me if I could sit in on those committee hearings. I'd sign in blood that I would never utter a word about it publicly. From the very beginning, if you were part of Truth News Network or TNN Live from the beginning of the Anthony Fauci generation. From the very beginning, I questioned. I questioned everything he said. It just didn't make sense. And in the middle of all that, in the context of what he was saying, we had Dr. Judy Mikovits on, who is the world's number one expert on all things on these kind of diseases. And she worked side by side and with Fauci for years and he threw her in prison and threw a key away 
just because he demanded a paper that she had written be given to him so he could give it to an associate to publish and get paid big bucks. That's evidence and proven. He's a thug. That's the best that anybody can say. And look at what he did in telling you and I and tens of millions of others in the United States and around the world what we should and should not do to be safe during our COVID years. And almost without a single question, everything he told us, he reversed and told us to do it different after he demanded we do it in the first place. White House this morning is getting some real heavy pushback about something going on. John Kirby, who's the national security spokesman, he defended the Biden administration's support for the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, the UNRWA. UNRWA, it's a unique agency. It was created way back after the 1948 war when Arab states failed to destroy the newly independent state of Israel in a conflict that saw roughly 700,000 Palestinians leave their homes, many at the encouragement of Arab leaders. Experts tell us the UNRWA helps perpetuate conflict by supporting the ideas that Palestinians who have lived for generations in other countries or in Palestinian-controlled areas are still refugees whose true home is Israel, which Palestinian terror organizations want to destroy. So on top of that, UNRWA has been accused over many years again and again of indoctrinating Palestinian children to hate Israel and Jews. Several staff members of UNRWA reportedly praised the Hamas terror attacks of October 7th in which several graduates of UNRWA schools reportedly participated. A teacher in that group allegedly helped imprison one Israeli hostage, and Israel Defense Forces soldiers routinely find weapons in UNRWA facilities. Recently, Hamas terrorists fired at IADF soldiers from a UNRWA school, and on Thursday last week, the IDF reported its soldiers found a booby-trapped UNRWA daycare facility in the West Bank, where UNRWA also operates. Jake Turks. Jake is the White House correspondent for the Orthodox Jewish magazine, AMI, posed a question to Kirby during Thursday's White House briefing with the preface noting that Wednesday was the first birthday of Kafir Bibas, an Israeli baby abducted by Hamas. Turks asked for the White House's reaction to Hamas's presence in UNRWA facilities. Does this make them complicit in any way, he questioned? How does the administration view this? And is there any way that you plan on adjusting your strategy moving forward? Kirby, as he always seems to do, arrogantly replied, the UNRWA does important work in trying to get food, water, and medicine to Palestinians in Gaza. You can't hold them accountable 
for the depredations of Hamas, he said. Turks then asked whether the UNRWA should not, at the very least, raise the alarm about Hamas's use of their facilities. When Kirby tried to deflect the question to the United Nations, Turks pointed out that the Biden administration gives UNRWA $1 billion. Oh, in case you didn't know, Donald Trump ended funding to UNRWA in 2018. Biden restored it with $700 million in funding, including the money Trump had withheld. And Biden did that his first day in office. It's almost every day we hear some new bit of evidence that pops up that shows that Joe Biden is not in love with the American people. In fact, it becomes clearer every day to me that he literally wants to not be known as an American. He wants to be known as a world citizen. Globalism, globalist, one world order, whatever you want to call it. The Bible very plainly points out that you want to figure out what somebody really feels in their heart, just listen to them talk. The actual King James version of that scripture I alluded to, it says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, watch the actions, listen to what is said about every important issue coming from people that you know are in leadership and you've got to figure out for yourself what they are really meaning. Watch what they do. Listen to why they tell us they're doing it. But don't believe what they say if it doesn't line up with what they, they're they doing. And that's Joe Biden. <laughs> I mean, that from top to bottom is Joe Biden. It was the same thing for Barack Obama. The big difference there is Barack Obama could put four or five or six sentences together and didn't need a teleprompter, and when he used one, he could read it. Joe Biden can do none of that. Hadn't heard much about the Trump stuff. And Jack Smith, a special prosecutor. Saul Weisenberg, you see him on a lot of different television networks. He is a, uh, a constitutional expert. He's been in the Department of Justice in the past. He also was a former deputy independent counsel. And he said over the weekend that special counsel Jack Smith's latest legal moves are a clear violation of a judge's order. Attorneys for Trump asked United States District Judge Tanya Chutkin of the D.C. Federal District to hold Smith in contempt of court, saying Smith violated Chutkin's December 13th order, pausing proceedings while one of her rulings was on appeal. Chutkin rejected a motion by Trump's attorneys to dismiss the charges from a four-count indictment secured by Smith in August on December 7th on the grounds of presidential immunity. Well, let's first talk about whether or not he has violated the court order, her order, her stay order, 
And I think he clearly has when he filed his motion to Lamine. That's Saul Weisenberger speaking to the uh, Laura Ingram Angle guest host, Janine Bureau. Her order basically says, we're not going to do anything to impose new discovery obligations on any of the litigants. And he filed a motion in Lamine. And normally when you do that, the other side has to respond. So I think it's a clear violation of her order. Supreme Court refused to hear Smith's request for them to directly consider the appeal of Chutkin's ruling against Trump's efforts to get charges dismissed. Chutkin previously refused to recruit herself from the case in a September 27th ruling, and she imposed a gag order on Trump on October 16th. I do not believe she is going to hold Jack Smith in contempt, Weisenberg continued. She's gone out of her way. She's done everything possible to grant the government's motion in this case. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think at most what she will do is say that the motion must be withdrawn right now. It's just more and more and more of the politicization and the drama that accompanies everything the left is doing from top to bottom, from the White House to the Department of Justice, the FBI, the special counsel, everybody, it seems like, is after Donald Trump. And they're coming up and making up stories, doing anything and everything they can to keep him from being able to run for office for election later this year. It's uncanny, and it just makes you, you, you sense every day more and more. They've got to be petrified. They've got to be hiding stuff that they're horrified that if Donald Trump gets back in office, he's going to shine the light on it, and it can't stand. None of it can stand light to be shined on it because it will implicate many, many, many leftists that have been operating no no controls, throttle wide open, go after Donald Trump, do anything and everything that you feel like you need to do to get Donald Trump. And it just seems like even with the facts on the January 6th stuff, the Biden family syndicate stuff, all of those things that have been hidden, purposely hidden, We're finding out every few days more and more, yeah, it really has been hidden. Here's who's hiding it. Here's why they're hiding it. And we're finding out there really is corruption at every level in this government. As much as I despised what the left did, the FBI, the Department of Justice, all of those agencies there, the CIA, all of these hardcore, long-time political bureaucrats, what they did verbally and telling lies to try to get rid of Trump. And he's still in. He's still in the game. But yet people still think they can get him, they can get rid of him. This nut job, Attorney General for the state of New York, Letitia James, This is not 
a criminal case. This is a civil case. The trial's over. Everybody's rested. They're waiting for the judge to come up and give his rendering. I promise you he's in a conundrum that he can't easily get out of. He's going to have to follow up the demands that he made of Donald Trump, the claims that he made about Donald Trump and the wrongdoing even before the trial started. He basically gaveled court in and said, I'm calling at least this one part of Donald Trump's actions. I'm calling those illegal. And so we're going to put that piece of the charges from the attorney general to the side because I've already adjudicated he's guilty of that. Does that sound like a free trial under the Constitution happening? Letitia James has used this. The only thing she's used it for when she was in the city of Manhattan, the district attorney there before, when she started this mess, she told everybody, I'm going to get rid of Donald Trump. I'm going to destroy Donald Trump. I'm going to take away his entire company, slew of them operating in Manhattan. And she ran for attorney general and just doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on her claims otherwise. Well, she went into this trial with no foundation or basis for any of the charges. They've all been debunked, not by Trump, but people in the business the people that would be the ones that would know and would have already taken actions on their own to go after Trump if what she says he did, he did. And they all come to court and they look around and say, this makes no sense. Letitia James said he conned banks and mortgage companies. He lied about his personal wealth, his, his financial statements, so that he could get more money. He defrauded people. <laughs> not one bank, not one financial institution, not one insurance company, not one real estate broker has come forward. Trump followed through on every contractual commitment he made with the banks. Somebody from outside of his organization looked over, examined the financial statements that he and his company filed no irregularities there. And listen to what Attorney General Letitia James is doing now. Well, this just into Fox News. Attorney General Letitia James has asked the judge overseeing the Trump civil fraud trial to penalize the president about $370 million. That is a significant increase from the $250 million originally requested. The trial began in October, wrapped up last month, but the judge has still not made a final ruling against the former president. James' lawsuit has accused Trump of inflating his net worth to obtain favorable loan terms from banks and insurers who claim they were never defrauded. Nobody lost a dime. In fact, the people that she says she's representing in this case, those very people made tens of millions of dollars off of doing business with Trump on all of his real estate, personal, banking, all the banking stuff that he has to do. When you have companies, big-time companies, companies around the world, but they're headquartered and centered in New York where they are, 
his whole empire has been for years. There are lots of places where people could get angry, get mad, get upset. We hear all the time about big real estate deals where there is so much corruption, big corporations, little guys, they're all trying to get to become big guys. They'll take advantage of people, screw people out of money, steal, all those kinds of things. Trump's organization were never laid on a payment. People made money. They didn't lose money. <laughs> First of all, this is a civil case. It's not a criminal case. And it's about Letitia James wanting to become, run for and become the next governor of New York. None of that's going to come to pass. None of it's going to happen. This one, even if this really stupid, far-reaching judge from Manhattan, even if he follows what Letitia James wants and calls all these things to pass against Trump and the Trump organization, he's not going to lose a dime. He's not going to be considered long-term being guilty of any of it. And what's going to happen is the Trump administration, the Trump organization, they have spent already, we're told, more than $100 million on legal fees for all of these actions where everybody's come forward and going after them. He's going to sue the people that are doing these things to him. In Letitia James's case, it's going to be the state of New York for all the legal fees. This will go through every appeals process necessary till they get an impartial judge and jury. I promise you. And he's not going to pay a dime for any of that stuff. And Letitia James, I think she'll personally lose her power in politics and in government and New York State because she's going to be exposed for the fraud that she is. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, A River Runs Through the for someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... Oh, with Geico. Oh, sorry. Here we go, from the top, and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko, so... Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said gecko. Oh. For over 75 years. <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good. I'm good. For over 75. <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Geico. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee. 
signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. More and more and more insanity coming out about Joe Biden stuff. President Biden, as you know, he uh, gave that big speech Friday night, really informally, but formally in a way, declaring his presidency bid for 2024 later this year. And during the speech, and again, it's at the bottom, if you want to download it, look at it, read it, the whole speech, including all of his vernacular issues, is at the bottom of today's story on the front page of truthnewsnet.org. And you can, uh, it's in PDF format. You can read it there. You can download it, keep it or whatever. Anyway, as he always does, he just, he just did and said stupid stuff. Other than what you already heard when I talked about that story last hour. So his speech lasted about 30 minutes. In it, he claimed that he and First Lady Jill Biden attended the funerals of police officers who were killed during the so-called January 6th insurrection against the government. Over 140 police officers injured. Jill and I, he said, attended the funerals of police officers who died as a result of the events that day because of Donald Trump's lies. They died because these lies brought a mob to Washington, D.C. Now, nobody can credibly say that Joe Biden doesn't have a long laundry list of lies during his, I don't know, 100 years in various jobs in Washington, D.C., really 50 years, Senate, vice president, now three years as president. But he sometimes just takes them over the the top. He left out one very pertinent detail. The fact that the actual number of cops who lost their lives on the fateful day was zero. Zero. Hmm. Most famously, there was Officer Brian Sicknick, who the media falsely claimed was killed by a Trump supporter who allegedly hit him in the head with a fire extinguisher. But the reality is that the Capitol Police officer died from natural causes the day after January 6th mayhem. But why let the truth get in the way of a good story? And of course, as usual, the quote-unquote expert fact-checkers were missing in action leaving the work of calling out Biden's malarkey to ex-users, formerly known previously as Twitter. No police officers died as a result of January 6th. Fun fact, no officer died on January 6th. Well, this is literally science fiction and part of the big lie and that there was no funerals for him to attend as no members of law enforcement died on January 6th thereafter. 
There were several suicides of police officers, but Biden did not attend their funerals either. Biden is so clueless, there were zero funerals. And if officers died on January 6th, how come no one was charged with murder? Name the officer and the funeral. I'll wait. Only person that was murdered was an unarmed female veteran, Ashley Babbitt. Pretty hard to do since no police died on January 6th. Show us the photos or the video of Joe and Jill attending those funerals. Force him to prove it. Biden's exploitation of January 6th as a cornerstone of his re-election campaign. It'd be easier if he could even get the date right. A challenge for the elderly Democrat. Biden says that people may never fully understand the repercussions of what happened on July 6th. He said that. (laughs) After Biden's Valley Forge demagoguery Friday night, he did manage to find his way off the stage at Montgomery County Community College in nearby Bluebell, thanks to Mrs. Biden. The big lie is the coin of the realm for Democrats and their dishonest allies, and few are nearly as practiced at that as is Joe Biden. Hey, did you see what happened over the weekend? The USA junior hockey team, They won it all. They won the championship, the world championship. And in direct contrast to the U.S. women's soccer team, this hockey team went crazy in the post-victory national anthem that plays for every winner champion. Woke Sports got a wake-up call after those young American champs with zero Rapinos. You remember her? She and a bunch, most of the women, when they won, they kneeled instead of standing up and singing. It was so refreshing to see the pride from these young men. Though readily wedged out in favor of walking off, kneeling, or alternative anthems, national pride was not wholly forgotten in the age of inclusivity. Standing and singing as proof of that were the champions of the International Ice Hockey Federation Junior Championship from Team U.S. Day. Seen belting out the Star Spangled Banner in mass, in unison, standing on the ice Friday after their gold medal victory against Sweden. So this team is comprised of athletes under the age of 20. The celebration followed the 6-2 victory And it caught the attention of many folks, including Megyn Kelly, who readily contrasted their pride with the oft-criticized displays from the women's national soccer team and their since-retired wokes person, Megyn Rapinoe. Attention, USA Women's Soccer, Megyn Kelly said, sharing that snippet of the team's rendition of the anthem lined up with arms across one another's shoulders, This is what is expected of you if you agree to wear America's jersey. Otherwise, she said, let somebody else do it. These boys show how it's done. Listen up. God bless them and God bless America. Equally ripped, and they got ripped big time. 
Rapino again and again and again. ESPN got popped by former network anchor Sage Steele, who contrasted the Disney-owned broadcaster's coverage with that of Canada's TSN, which both aired the celebration and circulated it online. Crazy that Canada's top sports network, TSN Sports, chose to show this special moment from America's junior hockey team after winning gold, but America's largest sports network, at ESPN, chose to completely ignore it on all social media platforms. Also crazy considering ESPN's right deal with the National Hockey League, she said. Unlike so many famous millionaire athletes who complain about this country but gladly take the money, it's so refreshing to see such pride from these young men. You know, with everything going on around us, and there is so much happening now, I uh, I was shocked, but I was excited when I saw these guys do that. So I don't know if you've heard, but there's a deal. There's a deal, supposedly, to get our budget put together in time so we don't shut down the government. And apparently part of it, at least part of the offer made by the Biden White House to get this thing put together they are hinting that they may, they didn't say they would, but they may submit to demands by Republican politicians for the closure of the border's parole loophole that has been used by roughly 700,000 quote-unquote economic migrants. So during a White House meeting on Friday, Biden's advisors recognized a border deal with Republicans would not be possible without the administration agreeing on limiting parole. That's the process that the Biden administration has taken and abused it and illegally amped it up. Why? Because it gives them absolute authority to just call somebody eligible for parole. In other words, they get released. No questions asked. And that's what they've been doing of late. That's a big change from last week when Politico reported on January 2nd that pro-migration groups close to the talks say they are being told that a third major issue seems to be off the table and that is restricting parole. The negotiations for a border deal, they're entangled with Biden's growing political need for more money to hide and house several million Southern migrants during the 2024 election. The deal is also entangled with the White House's efforts to help Ukraine survive an expensive, no-negotiations war of attrition with much larger Russia. We may see that a deal is going to be announced on that this week, according to Senator James Langford of Oklahoma. In the negotiations, Republican leaders have demanded curbs on parole, migration, and White House support for many other reforms of the nation's migration law. I still, I I don't get this. I don't understand this. We should, we being the People's House, the United States House of Representatives, which we control with a small majority, but yet Republicans do control it. We ought to tell the White House, look, here's the deal. We're cutting off funding for the White House, every part of it, unless and until this administration simply begins to follow 
and enforce the laws, federal civil laws. If you don't follow the laws, if you don't enforce the laws, Mr. President, we're not going to pay you. We're not going to pay your people. Nobody in the Biden administration is going to get a paycheck because you're not doing the job and you're not doing it is illegal. You're breaking laws and the people that work for you are breaking laws. If you want to get paid, start following every tenet of the federal immigration laws. That's what you swore an oath to the Constitution to do. Mike Johnson, I listened to a uh, an interview he did on CBS yesterday. Secretary Mayorkas is not a good faith negotiating partner. This is when Congressman Johnson said, he is unwilling to enforce existing federal law. Why would we believe that he would do any new provision? He's lied to Congress repeatedly. He's lied to me personally, Johnson said, under oath. He stood in front of my committee on multiple occasions and insisted that the border is closed and secure when everyone in America knows it's not true. He's not a good faith partner. Now this all, it's a turnaround of sorts. It comes as Biden's election team are watching his polls crater while his pro-migration deputies use the parole loophole to bus many more migrants into American cities. For example, a January 3rd through 5th CBS poll reported that voters look at immigration as the nation's second most important issue and that Biden's easy migration policy gets a negative rating from 79% of independents. 79% independents, if you know, I'm sure you do, they're the ones that basically decide who's going to get elected and who's not in every major campaign and election process. 79%. They say uh, Biden's not doing the job. The poll also reported 40% of us see a growing number of immigrants in their local area and that 48% expect these migrants are going to make American society worse in the long run. And here's a problem for the White House. Their election year turnaround would be strongly opposed by the investors who dominate the West Coast wing of Biden's staff. Example, on Sunday, Todd Schult, president of the FWD.US lobby group for investors, retweeted a prior statement that claimed that limits on parole migration would be disastrous, disastrous for Biden's election. Gutting parole is a lose-lose-lose, he said. These concessions will spur more chaos in 2024, increase the opportunities for demagoguery around the border, and eliminate the most critical tool for building orderly immigration channels for decades. Here's why they're doing what they're doing. Follow the money. Here's an example. The investors who created FWD.US, they try to boost their stock prices higher by lobbying for the inflow of more cheap workers, apartment-sharing renters, and taxpayer-subsidized consumers. The breadth of investors who found and funded this organization 
was hidden from casual visitors to the group's website in early 2021, but copies exist at the other sites. FWD.US is champion Alejandro Mayorkas, Biden's border chief. We all know about Mayorkas. He has zealously invited more immigration through parole loophole in the border law. They've also funded many of the pro-migration nonprofits that are favorably quoted by corporate-directed media outlets. There's no hope for getting our financial issues, our immigration issues, our economic issues, our criminality issues. None of it can be fixed without going back and across the board, everybody in law enforcement at every level enforce the law. If we don't enforce the laws on the books, folks, how can we expect people to do the right things? When they know they can do whatever they want to do and get away with it, there's no recourse against them for breaking laws, any other types of criminality, everything from murder down to breaking and entering. In today's America, you've got a good choice of getting off scot-free. So enough about the Biden stuff. we got 15 minutes left in the show today. You want to hear from our current our current uh, in our American history, Mark Twain, Louisiana Senator John Kennedy. He pontificated about the former, now former president of Harvard, Claudine Day. Claudine Gay actually turned in her resignation, forced to turn it in last week. Here's what Senator Kennedy over the weekend had to say about Claudine Gay. Uh, Dr. Gay, of course, has resigned. Uh, she should have. I, uh, I, I bear her no ill will. Um, my advice to her, for what it's worth, is that when one door closes, sometimes you need to uh, get a hammer and some nails and make, make sure that SOB stays shut because Dr. Gay had no business running a university. The, the plagiarism allegations against her are serious. I think most Americans found repugnant her suggestion, express or implied, that um, it might be okay to kill Jewish people in the proper context. My biggest quarrel with Dr. Gay is that she does not understand the purpose of a university. The purpose of a university is to make young people think, not to make them comfortable. He is so succinct when he comes across giving facts and truth, and he doesn't flower them up. Most people, especially at the U.S. Senate level, most of them try to make it flowery, make it sound palatable. Kennedy has a way of just going right for the throat every time. Just receive this. This is coming from the White House regarding... Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin's, his health situation and what's going on there. We're told President Biden is not considering firing Austin after the Pentagon failed to notify the White House about his hospitalization for several days. 
top White House National Security Council officials were not made aware of Austin's hospitalization at Walter Reed in Washington, D.C. on January 1st, or his reported stay in the intensive care unit for several days due to issues stemming from a medical procedure. Despite the communication breakdown, Biden has no plans to remove Austin from his position and looks forward to the defense secretary's return. A White House official said this, President Biden spoke with Secretary Austin on Saturday evening. It was a warm conversation. The president looks forward to Secretary Austin returning to the Pentagon. White House National Security Spokesperson John Kirby also said this morning, there's no plan for anything other than for Secretary Austin to stay in the job. Now, let me just weigh in for a second on that. And those of you who know me or listen to this show, you know exactly where I'm going. The first thing that should happen is Joe Biden should have assured the American people and, by the way, our allies around the world who are facing and many embroiled today in real military conflicts. They all look to us for leadership when it comes to military issues. We've been the big brother for all the free nations of the world through the years that have gotten involved in military operations against hardcore leftist countries. And when these people look to us and they find out that our number one guy in our military disappeared for two weeks and nobody knew where he was, but worse, nobody told our government leaders, including his own assistant, the one that's supposed to be in charge whenever the Secretary of Defense is unable to work, that woman, in this case, was supposed to be notified. She wasn't even notified. She didn't know he was having a medical procedure done. The first thing that this president or any president should do in a situation like this, and it's not just our military leadership, what about our Secretary of State, Department of Treasury? In those positions, if they're not necessary and it's not necessary to let people that work for them, let people that work with them know when there's some issue that's going to keep them out of doing their job for, oh, I don't know, two weeks. Those positions aren't necessary. The first thing Joe Biden should do would be to get face-to-face with his Secretary of Defense, especially with his speckled past. And I can't even say honestly that he has a speckled past. He has a horrible past and a history of doing things like this and not even give one rip about talking to others about it, talking about his boss, and letting them know what's going on before it happens, thinking that He can do anything and everything he wants to do. Forget about it. I'm not going to answer to anybody. Here's an example. Over the weekend, Israel assassinated a top 
Hezbollah commander in Lebanon in an airstrike after the IDF, Intelligent uh, Israel Defense Force, warned of another war amid growing fears of conflict engulfing the entire Middle East. That strike on South Lebanon early this morning, our time, it killed a senior commander in Hezbollah's elite Rod One force. That, of course, escalates fears that the conflict between the two, Israel and Hamas, could trigger the spread of more violence across the region. Wissam Hassan Tawil, the deputy head of a unit within the Radwan force, died alongside another Hezbollah fighter when their car, which is or was a Honda SUV, was targeted in a strike on the Lebanese village of Majd al-Sem. He was the highest-ranking Hezbollah member to be killed since Israel and the Lebanese group began exchanging cross-border fire following Hamas's October 7th attacks. Hezbollah confirmed the killing this afternoon, their time, saying he died on the road to Jerusalem, the phrase used for fighters killed by Israel, with Lebanese security forces describing the attack as a very painful strike that will cause a flare-up. And it comes as Israel warned another war may break out in the embattled Middle East after Hezbollah struck an Israeli air traffic control base over the weekend. The attack on the base on Mount Maran on Saturday was one of several rocket barrages of northern Israel by the Iran-backed Hezbollah, forcing tens of thousands of Israelis to evacuate communities along the border. This latest eruption of more intense hostilities follows another IDF strike on the Lebanese capital of Beirut last week. That one killed Hamas's deputy political leader, Salah al-Arari. In the wake of that attack, Hezbollah Secretary General Saeed Hassan Nasrallah warned Israel in two TV addresses not to launch a full-scale war on Lebanon. Whoever thinks of war with us in one word, he will regret it, Nasrallah says. We're nowhere near getting this thing to come to a close. And I think, in large part, if not totally, the reason we're going to be in continually a sustained skirmish, war, whatever you want to call it over there in the Middle East, as long as Joe Biden's in the White House. Nobody over there fears him. Nobody thinks that he can do anything or will do anything. In part, and this is a Danism, this is for me, based upon all the stuff you heard today and previously about what Joe is doing with countries like Iran, giving them billions of dollars, and to Palestinian rebels, giving them several hundred million dollars just weeks before the attack on October 7th. That money's being used to kill Israelis and us. With all of that going on, expect this to get worse before it gets better. You've got a feckless Secretary of Defense. You have a semi-brain-dead president in office Neither one of them have any thought at all about what it is to lead 
in the case of potential and currently happening military conflicts that involve us. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Remember that. Folks, thanks for joining us, getting this week going. Have a good day. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Steve Baker joins us, by the way, in our second hour. Rosemary and Tom.